delighted that our next guest joins me in the studio because I really loved her previous film, Dreams of a Life, but her brand new one, The Falling, is going to be on at BFI Flair this Friday and Saturday and also out on general release on April the 24th. And The Falling is set in 1969 in a rural British girls' school and explores what lies behind a mysterious fainting and twitching outbreak that rapidly spreads among the pupils. Well, Carol Morley, hello and welcome to Out in South London. What's all this fainting and twitching? I don't really need to say anything about the film now, do I? It's all been said. Um, I am obsessed with fainting. Not really. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, perhaps an interesting place to start would be... um, you did actually have a short film that, that explored a similar theme, didn't you, before? And um, the common link between those is Maxine Peake, who was in both, um, who's brilliant as one of the mums in this film. Uh, the fantastic Maxine Peake. Yeah, amazing. Who, of course, has graced the screens at Flair <laughs> yes. uh, before as um, Anne Lister, yep. didn't she? Yep. She was amazing yes. as oh, yeah. Anne Lister. Um, so, the, well, The Falling it, it revolves around a, a, an outbreak of fainting. Yes. Um, a kind of mysterious outbreak Very. of fainting. Very mysterious. And in the film really doesn't... It tries not to say exactly what lies behind it. It's a bit of a mystery film because yeah, we like mysteries. Oh, yes. And so it doesn't say exactly what it is, but from kind of medieval times on, there have been weird phenomenons in life. So in medieval times, there would be the dancing manias where people yeah. couldn't stop dancing. Yes. Uh, and nowadays, there are still cases where people, a collective of people, will begin to exhibit symptoms such as fainting or seizures or stuff like that. Nobody quite knows why, but they they come under this term mass hysterias, yeah. an old-fashioned term, the, the yeah. more right-on term now, <laughs> although I quite like the term hysteria, but the more right-on term now would be um, mass psychogenic illness. Oh, OK. Uh, and they really are, they define something that happens. They're not really... They don't tell you why they happen exactly. so I became obsessed in 2005 with this idea of mass psychogenic illnesses and made a short film with Maxine Peake playing the professor where she takes us on this history through mass hysteria. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that was The Madness of the, the Dance. The Madness of the Dance which was like an Arts Council film, okay. short film. I've made about 105 short films. By Emma's watched them all. <laughs> <laughs> she has. Uh, and uh, she told me never to make another film. She said, you know, that some people should carry on making films and some people shouldn't and you're one that shouldn't. No. She's been very I'm sure as, not. As no. Everyone at the BFI and Flair over the years. Uh, but um, so we're very excited to play the fa- Falling in Flair. But yeah, so no, so I'm really quite obsessed with this subject matter to the point where I'd made the short film and looked yeah. at a lot of cases. A lot of them happen to females and a lot of them happen in schools of these sort of outbreaks of fainting or people starting to feel genuinely ill and exhibiting like tics and stuff like that. Um, so decided one day I would make a long film about it. So mm. 10 years later, here we are. Here we are. And um, so it's really looking, the falling really looks at um, in depth for a group of girls, Gill Gang, if you like, at the heart of an outbreak uh, that occurs. And we're keeping some of the stuff in the film secret, quite a lot of it secret. Oh, definitely. So there's quite a lot of you things should. you don't want to know about the film yeah, uh, yeah. because it will be exciting to see it. But we can say a lot of girls do faint. <laughs> Yes, uh, yes. And it's very pleasurable. <laughs> it's very, well, it's, very it's that idea of sort of female collectivity, isn't it? And how that, that sort of... The, 
I don't know. There's that collective energy about Absolutely. it. Absolutely, and and, and I'm, I was thinking recently. You mentioned my previous film, Dreams of Life, which was about you know the the very tragic case of Joyce Vincent, who's yeah. died and nobody discovered her for three years for in three her years, flat in North just London. Just an incredible news story. Awful. Oh, you know, and I think when when I was doing that, it was such a case of social isolation. So I've realised what you know what I've gone on to do is make a film about a collectivity. That's interesting. And, and I really do think it's so for all its um, for all as it's a film about teenagers for all its kind of uh, um, stress of that it actually is a celebration of a group of girls becoming empowered and rising up in a way against authority so yeah. uh, which is a which is a true definition of a strong collective group that can actually resist and do something about their kind of um, the conditions that they live in so for me it's like looking at a, a collection of teenage girls going through adolescence yes. and I don't think that's been explored enough no. as hideous as it is oh, but also is. as brilliant as it is yeah. so I really really <laughs> that want chaos to, yeah chaos yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you know girls going through something and bonding with each other and not sure of their sexuality and, and having yeah. crushes and, and all of that so I really wanted to look at that without without defining it to the extent you're saying this is what it is this is what their sexuality is or this is yes. what the outbreak mm. is it's like a, a, a kind of fairly free exploration of, of, of an event and a group of girls I definitely think. and I mean on, on one level it's sort of very different to dreams of a life but on another in another way very similar in that sense of the slightly supernatural and haunting and that crossover between you talk about documentary and and drama sort of overlapping and, and being the same in a way and that we're all creating stories and I mean with dreams of a life you're very much aware with trying to backtrack and create the story of Joyce and what had happened how people had forgotten about this person and it's quite interesting how you know you you know you've gone from a what was essentially a documentary about a real story to this drama but but I can see a lot of common threads yeah and I think one of the the huge probably connections is about identity because yeah. in looking at dreams of a life it was taking you know a very mysterious enigmatic woman yeah. and uh, piecing together her life not showing people what they necessarily thought she would be like but really trying to go beyond the initial idea of, of who and, and what kind of person she was and I think with the falling it really is trying to look at teenage identity the girls in it even though it's set in 1969 the actors that play the girls Maisie Williams plays the lead girl Lydia yeah um, Arya Stark in Game of Thrones yes yes um, yeah, uh, yeah. the girls in it said actually you know if you take away what we have now which is the technology of mobile phones and texting and whatever it may be actually the emotions are exactly the, the same. same in the film so I think it's that you know resonance of how you feel at that age and you are searching for for, for your identity and if I get this right, I'm going to forget it because I have a three-second memory, as I said earlier. But <laughs> uh, Maisie Williams' character Lydia in the film says, uh, we are all three types of people, yeah. three kinds of people, the person you think you are, oh, yes. the person other people yeah. see and the person you really, you really are. are. And I think that kind of is at the heart of the film, of this struggle for who we are, what's real, what's not real, of how we live our lives, of who we're going to become. Um, and that struggle for that and that but excitement. I tell you what, what really, what really struck me was when the headmistress and the deputy headmistress played by Greta Skaki. Um, yeah, Greta Skaki. Skaki. I've learned to oh, say her name now. Oh, I can never say it right. Greta <laughs> I've Skaki. I've learned to say it. Finally. Um, 
Um, they are talking together about, you know, what we can do about all it, what's going on. Um, and, you know, they're talking about how the girls feel misunderstood. And they say, well, you know, wait till a middle-aged woman. Then you'll know what it's like <laughs> to be misunderstood, which I just thought was brilliant. Because ultimately, we all feel misunderstood, even when we are older and we've kind of found ourselves a bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I really wanted to look at that because I yeah. think there's, there's that kind of, I, I guess it's the judgment of the young on the old. You yes. kind of think when you're that age, you think, well, they, they've never they lived. They, they certainly know. haven't gone through this because yeah. look at them. Of course, you know, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> and I think that I really want, you know, being now a middle-aged woman, um, I really wanted to look at <laughs> that kind of sense of that you never, as much as you always felt that you would move on into some yeah. kind of defined and terribly um, settled idea of who you are and who the world is and whatever, you just don't. No, so no, no, I was really happy to play, um, you know, play with the humour of that in a way, that here yes, is these middle-aged women that are looking at these young girls... <laughs> And they, they themselves are going through their own kind of tumultuous, stuff, yes. trying to struggle with who am I? Who am I now? Yes, yeah, yeah. And it's Mo- Monica Dolan who's in Pride actually. She oh plays, yes, yeah. She she um, plays the headmistress very in it. And she's brilliantly, really, really fantastic. Really, very funny. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so let's um, talk a little bit about music as well, which is something very key to you and your work because you, you were in a band many years ago. Yeah, but I, you know, like you said before, could I play that piano over there? I got quite scared well, can't play the piano I'm, I'm very rusty now it's a long time <laughs> since my songwriting days and so on but um, you talk um, you know I've read in the notes to the film that you sort of actually wrote kind of developed the ideas very much to a soundtrack that was key it, I, I, I think that music does something incredible to a film. Yeah. And often they can come quite late in the day during the latter part of the edit or the edit. And, and often the score is written after the fact and stuff. But for me, it, it sometimes just begins with a song. And so The Falling began actually with a soundtrack. And if you buy the How to Write a Script book, <laughs> it will always say <laughs> never include the names of sa- you know songs that you want. Because obviously uh, music clearance is, is quite expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I will always write in my script the exact <laughs> songs I want playing at a certain time because people, if they don't know them, can put them on and go, that's the mood, that's that the mood. That is it, yes. Yeah. So I began with the soundtrack. I included it within the, the, the script. And then when I was... Uh, auditioning the girls I asked them to bring along songs oh no when when I kind of workshop the girls that I'd chosen for the film I asked them to bring along songs from 1969 and Florence Pugh who's in it didn't she, she plays actually, Abby. Uh, Abby, who plays Abby, who's brilliant and brilliant. total new discovery, her first time in a Amazing. film. She didn't realise she was supposed to bring a song as such. So she came and played a song. Oh, and she yeah. played Son of a Preacher Man. <laughs> oh, did she? Because we nearly it, we oh, nearly played that yes. one because I think that one was slightly closer um, in, in date. But we thought Look of Love would be. One, you know, uh, she was doing yeah. her homework. She really you know? did. Well, we, we very yeah. nearly played that. We just thought Look of Love was kind of good for the mood of the. Uh, I should have mentioned. No, so, um, so then Mary Hopkin, who opens the film with her song, um, yeah. a pre-recording, of which I've totally forgotten the song name now, which is <laughs> about the moon, about the moon. Um, she um, opens the film and I would play that song to the girls in rehearsal and they would cry to that song. It became, it wow. became, it, music becomes a kind of shortcut to emotion and yeah. rather than having to use all this verbal, you know, and all this language to go, I want you to feel like that, you just put a song on. And what's brilliant is when it comes to the shoe and you put the songs on Mm. um, everybody on the set is in the same place. Yeah. So the crew, it's not just, oh, the actors now have to get into some kind of transitional <laughs> yeah, moment. Yeah. It's like the crew are there and it, 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 uh-huh. it it's a real 
place of bonding and connection. Wow. It's fantastic. So music comes very early for me, definitely. And of course, there's a lot of music provided by the wonderful Tracy Thorne, um, who, I, I, it's just interesting, I'm just reading her memoir at the moment. Yeah. So Bedsit Queen. Yeah, yeah. Bedsit yeah. bed Disco Queen. But yes, oh yeah. yeah. Um, no memory. So, <laughs> so, so it was just funny that, that I happened to see this film at the same time when I had that book in my, in my bag under my cinema seat, thinking, oh, Tracy. It's the collective unconscious that yes. gets talked about in the film. I know, and you, um, you'd had a dream that she was going to provide some music for the film. Ma- Maisie said, oh, it was a real dream. She thought I'd had a daydream. I think she thought by the time you get to our age, you couldn't dream anymore, you know? <laughs> but um, it was during the film. So written in the script was the girls, the, the, the young girls are in an in a alternative school orchestra. Yeah. Not just a school orchestra, yeah. but alternative. Because yeah. it had to be a bit cool and edgy. And so they're in an alternative school orchestra led by Abby, who, who's played by the brilliant Florence Pugh. And they they um, came up with this kind of amazing piece themselves, like an improvised piece yeah. on these instruments that I bought on Denmark Street. I went into Denmark Street and bought a glockenspiel and, and a triangle for those that couldn't play and a desk-out <laughs> recorder. So the girls came up with this stuff and then I had this dream that Tracy Thorne had written the music to the film while we were shooting. And I managed to connect with her on Twitter because she's massive on Twitter. Uh And then I phoned her and I went to meet her and I took her the instruments uh, that the girls had been in the alternative school orchestra with. And she went, "Okay, well, let's see what happens. It might not work. It might. And so she did all the music for the film and the songs, brilliant songs she does on those instruments. So on the triangle, on the desk recorder, on the glockenspiel and other percussion instruments. I don't know what they're called. Yes. Fantastic. Other, other, <laughs> other percussion. I'm glad there's there are still some shops on Denmark Street, those little music shops, because a lot of it's getting all... No, no. I'm so, very sad, so sad about the 12-bar club going, which yeah. was a wonderful little venue oh. there. Oh, yeah, that's great. Um, but yes, well, Tracy Thorne, yes, no, I, I loved her It was, her it was brilliant to work with her. And also, I didn't want a 1969 kind of sound-alike score. Yeah. I really wanted... So she only saw a little bit of, of uh, the, the rushes and then started to come out with music. So it just adds another voice, another element, another mood to the film that I think helps with that supernatural element of it. Yeah, I think it really does. (laughs) 